0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this ELT Upgraders podcast. Whether you're in a traffic jam in Jakarta, a motorbike in Ho Chi Minh City, or a subway in Shanghai, these podcasts are aimed at boosting your academic knowledge and providing solutions to all of your classroom challenges. I'm JC. I'm here with Mr. JW. Hi, everybody. In this second uh, instalment of the Classroom Management Podcast series, Mr. Jake Whidden is going to have a look at mixed abilities. Shall we kick off with, actually, how do we define mixed ability? We hear about it a lot, right? But Mm -hmm. how how do we define mixed ability, uh, Uh... Jake? It's an interesting one. I think most people define it as just classes that
1: have different levels of language proficiency. But I think that's a little bit of a a shallow way to look at mixed ability. Mm. And I think once I realized that it was a lot more than that. The way I like to define it is, yes, it's different levels of proficiency and it can be things like age and maturity. Different aptitudes for learning. People used to talk about it was different learning styles, but we don't talk about that anymore. Uh, it can be different. La- different language levels. It might be just different mother tongues in one classroom. Mm. If you're teaching in a place that
0: has lots of different L1s. So what's the, what's the what's the posh word for that? Your classroom isn't is heter- heterogeneous. That's well,
1: no, that's if you have. Yeah, but for different mother tongues mm. wouldn't that be multilingual? No, multi, mm. I don't know, maybe Mono, we'll
0: do monolingual mon- and we'll get to that. heterogeneous multilingual classrooms. John
1: just wants to say heterogeneous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I can't spell I can't spell it. <laughs> different levels of motivation, different attitudes and different cultural backgrounds. Also, in adult classes, how long have they been learning? Where did they learn before? All these things come into making up the different abilities that they're going to have different aptitude for reading, writing, listening, and speaking. So mixed ability means that everyone is different, which is really obvious. So that's the classic question. How many students in your class are the same level? Mm. And how do, how do you find out as well? It's quite it's quite tough. The trick question, it's zero, right? Mm. It's never... There aren't ever two students that are exactly the same in your class. And I think if we just start... With understanding that every single class is mixed ability will be better at coping with it, as teachers. Mm.
0: It actually, reminds me in 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 Malaysia, I had I'm not sure how it happened, but in this school I was working in the primary school, they had a lot of twins mm-hmm. in the, in each class. They had about two or three sets of twins. Where uh, this is in Malaysia uh, in primary classroom, yeah, which which just. Reminded me of talking about everyone is, is different. <laughs> these guys tend to just get the same grades. Yeah, right. And actually, there have been some really interesting studies actually on uh, on twins and language learning and whether they sort of learn uh, the same ways or yeah. whether they learn sort of differently as well. And? maybe that could be a topic of a of a of another a podcast, podcast in the in, in, in the future. Yeah, yeah. So all right, let's move on and have a look at. Some of the disadvantages of a mixed ability class. So, what kind of challenges then does this pose?
1: Well, I guess if you're listening to this, you already have the, you already know the disadvantages. Things like we have fast finishes, so half the class have finished and the other half hasn't. We have the students that are, you know, putting their hand up all the time and want to do everything before everyone else. So they dominate the class. We have the students that get left out and don't want to be part of the class. We have students that. Um, can't keep up with the rest so as a teacher you're trying to plan everything and you don't know where to plan because this student's not keeping up with the rest of the class we it can be a massive challenge for well what John was talking about before how do you know where to group people because they're all different levels and different abilities some students don't like other students some students don't like doing you know kinesthetic activities some students like doing other things so it's it's really a challenge for the teacher
0: mm. in how to deal with all those things at the same time, but but also we mentioned this with large classes. Actually, understanding important to understand. Actually, there are a lot of advantages, right, of mm-hmm. having a mixed ability class. So, mm. what, what might be some of those uh, advantages? Well, my main advantage that I think is that it's, it it reflects real life,
1: and classrooms shouldn't be a fishbowl of learning, Ooh. where it's sort of this false fake environment where everything's comfortable and perfect and we all just have to achieve the same thing and as long as I can say these three sentences that are the aim of the class, it's all okay. Because as soon as you leave the classroom, that's not the reality that any student, whether they're five or 55, is going to be dealing with. Mm -hmm. So the advantage is that mixed ability is real so the more we harness and enhance and deal with mixed ability and realize and and make that incorporate that into our class the the more we're going to
0: have our students ready for the real life so we're saying like also maybe in your sort of lesson planning um, I know it's difficult sometime with sort of busy teachers are you gonna be talking about that a bit, a bit later or mm-hmm. we should be thinking about mm. this when we're designing our activities mm-hmm. right and you'll be talking about that a little bit later So let's just jump in straight into some solutions then. So what are your strategies, your overall strategies, Jake, for dealing with some of these uh, mixed ability issues? So the
1: three main ones for me are, number one, know your class. Number two, plan your class. And number three, be aware that you're controlling this environment and you're not the teacher teaching all the students. Your job is to stand there like a conductor and let that become a learning environment right? right you're providing opportunities for learning for all these different levels so let 's go back to knowing your class mm-hmm. what's the best way to know your class every time I observe classes where they don't where teachers don't really deal properly with these mixed ability classes, I then ask them, "Well, tell me about this student, tell me about this student, tell me about this student, and they can't. Because they don't know their class, so if you don't know your class, you can't possibly plan for a mixed ability class, right I and mean, I know it's hard because, yes, if you have fifty students, but let's say most of us are probably teaching between ten and twenty students. Oh yeah well are yeah, we lucky no, <laughs> I think it classrooms have gotten smaller, especially I mean if you look at Japan or um Taiwan, there might be less than ten, right in yeah. China probably now ten, fifteen, twenty. Yeah. I think. Maybe still in Sri Lanka, they well, where did you say? Nepal? Yeah, Nepal. Yeah, it's probably different between the
0: public and private, yeah. isn't there? But uh, even,
1: even public schools here in China are getting down to 25 and 30, okay. which you can deal with. So knowing your class is things like we talked about before, knowing what their likes and dislikes are, knowing who they like working with. You should have a little list. I like to draw a little picture of my class and say, here's John, and then I draw around them who they work
0: with best, right? Yes. Because it's
1: okay to group with who they work with best.
0: How, how can you find out their likes and dislikes? How, how do you find you, you do surveys,
1: you can speak before class, like we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah. I think if people spend their first lesson, if they've got a semester, on really getting to know who that class is, rather than just focusing on the language, you could do things where you send something home with the parents if it's kids and they just have to fill out a little, you do it in their L1 if they have to, about who mm. they are, why they're there, what type of activities do they like doing? Mm-mm. Then you get to know who they are, so you're more like be able to plan for that when you're going into class.
0: Uh, what else? What other solutions do we have?
1: Yeah, so first one was knowing your class and getting to... I think it's also when you're planning is really thinking about it's not just this level of proficiency. So just some other points, and I'll just list them off for you now. And... Later, if you want, you can watch on our uh, Asia Macmillan website, you can watch a little small talk on this, which has some more visual understanding of this. And I might attach something to this on our Asia site. If you're listening to this on another platform, go to our Macmillan Asia website. So other things is don't just think of proficiency, the levels in the class. You can think about things like slow finishes and fast finishes Mm -hmm. so if you know you have a group of slow finishes you can group them together and maybe give them less to do because Mm -hmm. you know they're going to take longer right the fast finishes group them together but then give them four times as much to do Are proactive about the slow finish and fast finishes but the point is you need to know who they are don't be shocked by oh Mary finished first. You should know that before, you should know Mary's going to finish first after a few classes. Motivated, less motivated. Just because someone's the highest proficiency doesn't mean they're the most motivated students. Mm -mm. It actually could be the person who is very low language proficiency, but they're super motivated. So you might think, that's okay, let's put that really motivated person with a higher level student, higher proficiency. Uh, you have risk-takers and not risk-takers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Here's another one to think about with mixed ability. Don't just... There are students who aren't necessarily high-level language, but they're very willing to put their hand up, try, they make mistakes. Good, be, be aware of those students. Uh, the ones who ask more and less questions in class, who puts their hand up more. All these things can go into knowing who your students are so you can be proactive about planning.
0: hmm What's next? Yeah. Is grouping. Okay. So John
1: mentioned grouping and some really cool ideas of how to group. So I think he gave you all these nice little practical ideas of how to actually set up the grouping. With the proactive approach to mixed ability classes, you've got to think, well, who will I group with who, right? So if you have a class, you can think before, like, where am I going to seat people? Because you control that language in learning environment, So you can seat people wherever you want. A lot of people talk about uh, grouping people with low-level students or in higher-level proficiency, which is grouping uh, homogeneously or oh. heterogeneously. Oh. So, John,
0: if you're grouping homogeneously, what does that mean? Homogeneously is people of the same the same ability, mm-hmm. would that be, in, yeah. in a group? Yeah. And heterogeneously, then you'd be putting different people with different abilities into one group. Yeah. Would that be right?
1: What I find is most teachers are quite into grouping heterogeneously. They want to put high and low. I would say 90% of teachers that i say, oh, I group high and low. I say, why do you do that? And they say, oh, because the higher students help the lower students. And I think that's great and very safe for the teacher, but I don't know if it's the best for the learners. So ev- everyone out there, if you always group with high and low, little call to action for you, tomorrow when you're in class, group everyone homogeneously group all the high people together and all the lower together, all the super active people together and the quieter people together what you find is if you put higher level students all together then you have this they will push each other to keep going further so their learning becomes higher the lower level will will also push each other but it lowers their effective filter which I mention in every podcast, (laughs) it lowers that sort of, it it gives them more confidence to want to help each other and work together, try it out then, as a teacher, as a conductor of the class, you are much more aware of what is happening. You can now say, okay, here are my, here's Lisa, Mary, and John. They're the very high level. I'm going to give them a task or an activity. But if in this task, the goal might have more outcomes than the homogen. another group over here, which is Becca and Yajor and Paz, in this group down here, uh, they might have less things to do. And it might just be as simple as one group has 10 sentences to write in their play and this group has only four sentences. Mm. Maybe they're making a, a menu. This group has to make 20 dishes. This group only has to make three dishes. Mm-hmm. But they're still getting to the language outcome, but just different, you're differentiating how much of that outcome. So just yeah.
0: try that one out. So that's yeah, that's, that's one option. I mean, that's mm. uh, just one option, right? Of putting mm-hmm. the strong ones, weak yep. ones together... I think what that also does is if the strong ones maybe they can be a little bit more independent you can let them let them yeah. let them lose let them go a bit right mm-hmm. and that gives you more time maybe to support the weaker groups possibly uh um as well mm. um, but you can also group groups in different ways right yeah so strong and weak together yeah what was your one i, I
1: uh yeah, you can have strong and weak together. And then it's this idea also that you can assign roles in, in, in those groups. Can you give an example of how you can assign roles in groups,
0: John? So, for example, if the end product was that they had to give a, a, a presentation about uh, whatever, a culture from, from their country or, or something something like that, you'd have a group of, say, sort of four four students... And you would give a list of like four different uh, roles or more, depending. For example, you would have like a uh, a presenter, Uh, you would have a a note taker, you might even have like a group manager, you might have Mm. an idea generator, you might have a timekeeper. Okay, different roles that they can choose to fit their own um, talent and ability, right? Yeah, Yeah. yeah. if it involved making a poster or something a bit more creative, you could have an artist or a designer as well. And the idea is that they choose their own role depending on their sort of talent. Um, and then they sort of perform that role in the group depending, and it won't matter uh, on, their, on their level because they're doing yeah. something. So then you
1: get that risk taker in a group, the the, the the loud, over-the-top boy. You get that quite a, maybe it's a quite a girl who wants to take the notes. And then, yeah, everyone has a yes. role that suits them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another big one is fast finishes. And many people say, what do I do when half a class finishes?" But I think it should never be reactive. You you should be very quickly aware that these students will be the ones who finish first. Also, if you have a class and it's your first class, guarantee there will be four or five kids in that class who finish, or adults, who finish before the other people. So it's about being proactive. So having, uh, well, the simplest one is just having extra worksheets sometimes kids see that as a punishment for finishing first Mm. but things like just having some books in the club well done guys you finish first you're on your own but here's a book you're allowed to read that for a while here's a magazine or Mm. here's something else you can do or maybe it's something fun like a like a crossword because crosswords are fun
0: crossword (laughs) word search
1: yeah i'm not a big fan of word searches but anyway no i think it's yeah but anyway but the point is you know there's going to be fast finishes so when you have them it shouldn't be an issue or have the little bit at the front of the class, which has like uh, you know just some books or some coloring or something to do. If it's adults, it might be okay. Now you're going to come and do something else at the you know with a magazine or something. Yeah. Um, well, I like the one that you uh, had. You, John had this really cool idea for when you have different sort of different levels in the class and how to deal with that. This the coin
0: idea, John. You want to explain that one? Yeah, actually, I learned this from a group of teachers in in uh, in Indonesia. Uh, they're all working at the uh, uh, Leah, Leah school there in, in Indonesia and their idea was that to get students speaking in a group sometimes you've got some students who will dominate the group conversation in a discussion some students won't say anything so how to overcome that one the teachers would give each student in the group so say you've got four students each student would get um, three coins or three chips or three counters and every time they want to say something in the group discussion they have to play or put one of their coins, chips on the table. Once they have played all their coins, all their chips, they cannot say anything more. So what you'll find is the ones, the stronger students will play, will speak a lot, will play their coins very quickly, but then they can't say anything else. It's up to the ones the maybe the weaker ones, the shyer ones, less confident ones, it's over to them now because they still got coins in their hands and they have got to play all their coins so they have to say something. And the strong ones can even who have finished played all their coins, they can still sort of help, maybe mm. support those sort of weaker ones or less confident ones to uh, to join the discussion as well. Yeah. And usually the discussion ends when everyone has played their um their chips and their coins.
1: The last point I make is about the four skills so once you know a class for a while, you'll find that certain students are better at reading or writing, or they probably, maybe they need more help with writing, or more, one student needs more help with reading, one needs more help with listening. And it's hard to plan, because you're thinking, well, this class, you know, if I do a listening activity, and seven of my students are really great at listening, and eight, um. so it's about thinking about when you're planning that idea of, I'm not, it's not one size fits all, so I might have my course, but then later in the class, in the second half, maybe I'm going to have this group over here are going to be doing a reading and this group are going to be doing a writing. What I'm doing is monitoring between and making sure they're doing it. Or as John's when he was talking about assigning roles, it might be the student who is weaker at writing, okay, in this group, you're going to be the person writing, Mm -hmm. okay? Simple as if you're doing a running dictation, think quickly who's going to be reading and who's going to be writing. Don't just sort of set up activities willy-nilly. Think about, each person needs to be developing something different. So really, you know, when you're assigning people, think, okay, he's gonna do more writing, he's gonna be the person taking, uh, listening over here, and he'll be presenting, because he's the shyest, so I really want to get that out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And it's okay to
0: swap the roles, like, yeah. inside one activity, you can go in going for one minute and say, okay, change roles, mm-hmm. the writer becomes the reader, the reader becomes the speaker, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera right? So I like, I've seen teachers do the stations, so they have like a writing station, mm-hmm. and then over in this
1: corner, there's a. they have to actually list, press play on like mm-hmm. just a phone, and they listen to something. Mm-hmm. And then over here, they have to read something, mm-hmm. right? And then the task, to achieve the goal, they've got to go through each one of these things. Yeah. But what you can do is to say, look, Johnny, you're going to do the writing part for your group in this corner, and then you're going to do this bit, so everyone's developing... The different skills that they need most work on but yeah. all
0: in the same class great That's fantastic yeah. all right so that was a little insight into just two of, of many sort of classroom uh, management uh, challenges so we had a look at large large classes and uh, mixed abilities mm-hmm. um, so yeah good luck with your class hope you can use some of those ideas we'll put a link to some of those articles those websites um on our uh, on our websites i think on this podcast website mm-hmm. you can find for example the one-stop english uh large classes ability articles we'll put a link there to those websites so yeah as always good luck to you guys in your in your classrooms and uh, wherever you may be and We look forward to the next episode of the ELT Upgraders podcast. Yep, and email us
1: at eltupgraders at mcmillan.com. And also, fill out the survey that is on this website to give us anything that you want us to talk about, and we will do the research for you. Fantastic.
0: So from me, JC, uh, see you next time.
1: And myself, Jake Widden.
0: see you all next
1: time. Cheers. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by Macmillan Education Asia and the ELT Upgraders.